It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 221 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, November 6th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley, RaptorsHQ.com and LockedOnRaptors.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean, and the show is on Twitter as well, Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode. Of course, Locked On Raptors is part of the Locked On Podcast Network as well. You can find team-specific shows for all 30 NBA teams. Uh, just check out the Locked On NBA iTunes channel for, to, to find those shows and find hosts that you like and teams that you're interested in. Uh, tons and tons of content for you to absorb. And also make sure to check out the FanRagSports.com network of Locked On NBA blogs. There's a blog for all 30 podcasts for each NBA team. Same goes for all 32 NFL teams. Make sure you're doing it. There's lots of great stuff for you to check out. Uh, please find our show, Locked On Raptors, on iTunes. Leave a rating, leave a review. It takes no time at all. It's the easiest thing you can do to help out the show, and I very much appreciate it. It helps to inform my decisions in terms of what I want to cover with the show. It helps me uh, you know, must become more visible, number one, as well. So please do that. It's, uh, it's very helpful, and I appreciate it very much. All right, on today's show, <sighs> the Raptors had a pretty rough loss last night against the Washington Wizards, uh, this game I had to watch mostly uh, uh, this morning because I, I caught the like the, the last six minutes or so, uh, which was brutal on its own, but I was coming home from the TFC game, which was also terrible. Um, after the TFC made it through to the next round, but still, just a god-awful game. And it was kind of a lot of the same for the Raptors. It was just uh, not the best performance coming back from the road trip. You would have hoped that without John Wall playing for the Wizards, that this would have been a bit of an easier test, a bit of a lighter landing back in Toronto, because usually the first game after a road trip is tough. You know, it's hard to get back, get your sea legs under you, um, and hopefully, you know, you would have thought without John Wall playing that it would have been a bit easier, but no. Uh, Bradley Beal was incredible. Um, we'll get to Bradley Beal, I suppose, in a bit, but overall, just a bad game for the Raptors. Kyle Lowry got ejected uh, in the second quarter for, I'm not really sure what, he had a little uh, back and forth with the ref, a uh, very young ref. I can't remember the name of the guy. Something DeRosa, I think. Uh, and, yeah, it was a pretty quick skirmish. And then uh, Lowry was tossed. And, I don't know, it didn't seem like he was saying much. From lip reading, it sounded like, looked like he said stuff that people say all the time in the NBA. So I'm not exactly sure why he was ejected. Maybe there was something he said, you know, before. And maybe there was a warning issued or something like that that we didn't catch on cameras. But, yeah, very strange ejection. Dwayne Casey wasn't too happy about it. said he's hurt way worse worse before uh, and guys not getting ejected so yeah it was pretty bizarre he also kind of called out the ref for you know persisting with Lowry um, you know talking about the young ref and maybe just like not carrying on with him and just walk away instead of getting back in his face and then and then tossing him so very strange Lowry wasn't playing very well up to that point anyway he was 0-4 missed some shots that I thought really are shots that he would normally hit just a couple layups and things like that that um, you know, he got, the, the way he got the shots was nice. He, you know, kind of whether burst by guys or, you know, create his own shot in space, and it was nice, but it didn't end up with any results. Just two points for him, one assist, one rebound, uh, 0-4 shooting and a minus 16. 
And I guess that kind of ties into the biggest issue for this game, and that was the start. The Raptors were just dead to begin the game. Gatto scored 18-6 in the first, like, just under six minutes. That was with the starters on the floor, Serge Ibaka, Jonas Valanciunas, uh, who I wrote about today, and we'll get into why I wrote about them today. But just a just a brutal start for the Raptors. Just no flow offensively, and then defensively, just no ability to stop Bradley Beal. Uh, Beal, look, he reminded me a lot. I don't know if you remember the game where the Raptors played against the Bulls, like, I think a couple seasons ago. It might have been last year, actually. I can't really remember when it happened, but... Uh, the Raptors played the Bulls. It was during the streak where they hadn't beaten the Bulls in forever, and they had a lead going into the fourth quarter of like 10 points or something like that. And then Jimmy Butler started playing point guard in the fourth quarter and completely ripped apart the Raptors and ended up uh, turning it into a win. I think it was an overtime win uh, in Chicago. And Beal kind of did the same thing last night. He didn't have the assist numbers that I think Butler probably had in that game, but he ran pick and roll really effectively. He had 38 points, a lot of pull-ups and stuff. Um, one pull-up in the fourth quarter where Jonas Valanciunas was caught just like napping in the middle of the paint when he was supposed to come up and hedge and just uh, a very brutal and very reminiscent of last year's uh, games like against like the Warriors, for example, when, when Valanciunas just got, just got ripped apart. Uh, Beal was incredible. 38 points on 26 shots, uh, you know, four of six from deep. He was awesome. And he really reminded me of that Butler game. And, it, you know, I guess with a performance like that, the Wizards needed it and they got it. And then Otto Porter was really good as well. 19 points, 8 of 13. He is Otto Porter, man. He's gotten really good. And Kelly Oubre Jr., he only used 2 of 5 from 3. It felt like his threes came at really sort of inopportune times for the Raptors, though. Um, he's he's really good as well. So the Raptors had a lot of issues with that starting five that they threw out there um, with Kelly Oubre. Sorry, with with uh, Markeith Morris playing four, Oubre playing four as well at times coming off the bench, and it just didn't work. The Raptors had no answer for it. Markeith Morris just completely cooked Jonas Valanciunas and Serge Ibaka at times, and that was kind of the, the story of the first quarter in that Valanciunas and Ibaka just weren't equipped defensively to stop what the Wizards were doing, and there was just there was a play... I think like four minutes in, something like that. I clipped it. I tweeted it out today, actually, too, if you want to find the video of it. Just like a slow-motion video. There's a play where Beal is bringing the ball up the court. He's just up at the top of the of, of the key. And Valanciunas is attached to, to Gortat. Gortat goes up to like set a screen. And Valanciunas loses him just in an instant. He, he goes like around the, the sort of... Like Abaka and Morris were kind of you know conjoined, sort of at the at the edge of the free throw line, and Valanciunas for some reason decided to go around those two instead of sticking to Gortat. It's not like Morris set a screen or anything. It looked like he was maybe thinking about setting a screen, but he never had to because Valanciunas just went all the way around him. And by the time Gortat got the ball at the top of the key. It wasn't even like they were running any action. They could have done sort of like a give-and-go thing, I guess, with Bradley Beal. They ran that a couple times last night. But instead of that, like there was just like a wide-open lane to the basket for Gortat. So he had to go, uh, and he just went up, and, and DeRozan fouled him at the end. So he missed the shot, but he made the free throws. And I don't know where Valanciunas was. The picture of it is just insane. And it was just it kind of spoke to everything that that front court has issues with. They're just not a good defensive pairing. Valanciunas is such a hurdle to have to overcome for Ibaka to you know make up for his defensive issues. And Ibaka's not very quick either. And he got blown by by Marcus Morris, Markeith Morris last night. I'm probably going to call him Marcus Morris a million times for some reason. Uh, I have the Celtics on my brain, and I was watching them recently with Marcus Morris. Anyway, um, yeah, no, the Markeith Morris, he just he he blew by Ibaka a couple times. There was one play, I think, in the second quarter maybe, or it might have been the third, where 
uh, Gortat and uh, and Morris were kind of going together for a little two-man game. There was a little dribble handoff between Gortat and Morris. Abaka and Valanciunas switched it, and then you know Morris just blew by Valanciunas. Uh, Abaka was able to save uh, save face and get the block at the rim, but that's not going to be the case all the time. And when those two are you know switching onto you know switching with each other, it just doesn't work because Valanciunas can't stay in front of anybody, let alone Mar- Markeith Morris, who was really good last night. Um, maybe not in a total. You didn't put up like crazy numbers or anything, but he did a really good job of ripping apart both uh, Valanciunas and Ibaka. It was just not what you want to see. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. That was kind of the story. The uh, Dwayne Casey had a quick hook. He brought in uh, three of the young guys, Yaka Pertl, um, Pascal Siakam. I guess CJ Miles isn't a young guy, but he came in as well at the six-minute mark, and the Raptors kind of fought it off a little bit, hung around. They were down 15 after the first quarter, and it wasn't until the third quarter when they really started to sort of chip into the lead. And it was a lot of the young guys. It was like Fred Van Vliet leading an all-young guy root, uh, lineup with like C.J. Miles and, and, and the rest of the young guys. And it was amazing. And they, they chipped back. Um, OG Ananobi had some issues offensively. But again, he's very good defensively and makes up for his lack of offensive creativity and things like that. Uh, with, with his defense most of the time, Yaka Proto, Pascal Siakam, Bebe had a few nice blocks. But a lot of it was Fred Van Vliet just being awesome and getting to the rim. Um, and just for some reason... Uh, the, the Wizards couldn't stop him. He had 10 points, 4 assists, 3 boards, 5 of 7 shooting. Uh, DeLon Wright was 5 of 7 as well. Hit a 3, which was great to see. Um, and those two kind of really led the charge back. And then you get to the fourth quarter, and they'd been on the court for a long time. And Blake Murphy wrote a great sort of breakdown of the rotation decisions in the fourth quarter and why, in hindsight, it doesn't look quite as bad as it might have at, at the time because... You know, the Raptors, they, they made this comeback with the young guys without JV and Ibaka on the court. And then those two come back in the game when the Raptors are getting it close. I think they got it to within maybe three after a, a DeRozan and one. And then immediately when those guys came back in, this was about the time that I put the game on in real time. And they just surrendered a whole bunch of points. Easy buckets. Uh, that three I mentioned where Valanciunas was just caught napping and, and Beal just bombed it on a pull-up. And yeah, the, the Valanciunas eventually fell, fouled out with a six foul, like with like three or four minutes left, I think. But it was too late by that point. The Raptors were already down like 13 when that happened. And yeah, the, their their defense between Ibaka and Valanciunas was just so poor. And Ibaka's not that bad a defender. I don't know, like he's not looked great this season, but I do kind of maintain that it's because he's playing at a position. And if he were playing center more often, then he'd be fine. He's in a position when he's playing center where he's near the rim. He's not being asked to come out and sort of guard guys on the perimeter that he's not equipped to hang with. Whereas when he's with Malanchunas, you just you just have two guys who are better at center um, and who are sort of you know tied to that area around the paint. Otherwise, when you get outside that range, it becomes a tr- trouble for them, and you're going to give up a lot of blowbys, and then things break down from there. And Ibaka, yeah, he was bad at Valanciunas. They don't work together. And, you know, last night altogether, um, it was really ugly numbers for them. 18 minutes played together, 95.6 offensive rating, 123.9 defensive rating. Just, it didn't work. And that's that's a lot of that's tied into the first quarter where they got completely blitzed out of the gate. Uh, but the fourth quarter as well, when they gave up those points, it was really bad. And, you know, you could have argued that maybe the young guys should have stayed in. Casey's point after the game was that, 
you know, it was, you know, the, the, the young guys retired. They've been in for a long time since like the middle of the middle of the third quarter. Playing those guys from the middle of the third all the way to the end of the game would have been a lot to ask, and maybe they wouldn't have been able to complete the comeback anyway had they stayed out there, especially since, you know, the Wizards would have had their crunch time lineup in, and with Beal playing as well as he was, maybe, you know, and Blake pointed this out in his piece, that DeRozan being out there um, was probably the guy you needed out there the most just because his scoring was a lot more sort of potent and, and a guy who you can kind of trust to score against a good defensive lineup like the Wizards when they're really locked in in crunch time, but... But it feels like there could have been something where they could have maybe negotiated the JV uh, surge thing a little bit better. Maybe just have surge play center and have someone else play at the four. I don't know whether you keep OG in there or you put CJ Miles in or whatever. But it just wasn't working with those two. And it hasn't worked really the entire time they've been together. This is what I wrote about today for LockedOnRaptors.com. I took five screenshots from the game and I kind of pointed out in you know certain areas... Uh, which like it just kind of illustrated how these guys don't really mesh together defensively, and it's stark, man. The the like the idea coming in was that Surge is this defensive guy who can cover up for Valanciunas' issues, and like I said in that one play where they switched and uh, Valanciunas got the block after Morris blew by JV, it can work sometimes. But even when that works, that's not something you want to see happen all the time because. That's just uh, an unsustainable way to go about it. Just letting guys run to the rim and hoping Surge is going to block the shot at the at the end. That's not a way to live. You know, you're going to have fouls. You're going to have kickouts to shooters. You're going to have dunks. You're going to have layups that are contested by good players. And it's just not a way to live. Just having one guy always sort of soaking up the issues of the other guy. And it's not like Ibaka is really all that equipped at this point as a four to be a guy who can sort of range all over the place and make up for Valanciunas' issues. He has his mobility issues as well. Um, some nights he looks more explosive than others. But he's better as a center because his lateral quickness isn't great. Um, and I don't know if it ever really has been. I think maybe that's been more of a sort of thing you build up in your mind than, it, than it's actually been. But he, the last couple seasons, Ibaka's been playing with dudes like Valanciunas, like Nick Vucevic and Enos Kanter in Oklahoma City, where he's being placed in positions where he's not playing at his best position and he's being asked to cover for these guys. And he might just not be equipped to do it. Like a guy like Siakam is probably much more equipped to sort of be that, uh, you know, safety who can play at the, at the power forward spot and make up for the center's defensive issues just because he's more, more more athletic and can cover more ground. Ibaka can't cover that ground right now and while in theory it's like a nice idea to have him play next to Valanciunas and make up for his defensive issues while being a nice spacing option as well, it just doesn't work in practice on defense at least. And on offense they're fine. Um, I don't have an issue with them offensively but on defense it just it doesn't mesh very well and it leads to a lot of really bad stretches like we saw at the first, start of the first quarter and in, in the fourth quarter in crunch time as well. And the problem with the Zabaka Valanciunas thing is that there's no really like quick fix for it either. Uh, you're kind of stuck. They they make forty million bucks between the two of them, and they're good players who deserve that money for the most part. I think like Abaka, maybe he's slightly overpaid on an annual value for his twenty one million or whatever it is for what he does. But you know, for a three year deal, I think you pay Serge Abaka that. It's totally fine. Valanciunas is still not like an albatross contract. These guys have utility, and they've been good at times this season, and have been good for the Raptors. And like they're useful players who you want to have on the team. But playing them together is just kind of untenable. But I don't really see a way in which the Raptors aren't going to play them together at least to start games um, because of the ego thing and the fact that managing a season over the course of a year it's really hard and I, I said this last night on Twitter and I kind of believe it like putting together a 3D puzzle is really hard and that's essentially what Dwayne Casey's trying to do right now uh, he's got a lot of different pieces to work with he's got a lot of different skill sets he's trying to blend and he's got egos to maintain I mean the Raptors have a few really highly paid players Valanciunas and Ibaka are, are among them and Having one guy like go to the bench or have a depressed role—that's you're 
you have the issue, you have like the potential there of you know kind of getting rid of one problem by changing up the lineup composition, but then creating another one that could you know hurt your chemistry or things like that. If someone sulks or if someone's unhappy with their role, uh, or even just like say Valanciunas goes to the bench, there's no saying that works either because Valanciunas is not the kind of guy who would go well. You would think with the second unit that likes to run and play fast defense and switch a whole bunch and shoot a bunch of threes. Like Valanciunas doesn't do that, so it's hard to find the best fit for Valanciunas and a Baki you want to have starting as well. Um, I just think it's going to be kind of a thing where the Raptors have to compromise a little bit and maybe sort of accept a bit of a setback some you know, from game to game throughout the season. And then in the playoffs, they'll have to really sort of pare down the rotation and maybe Valanciunas plays like very little. Um, Zabaka is a better center at this point and you have to have him playing center when it matters most. As we saw last year, him and PJ Tucker were fantastic as a 4-5 pairing in crunch time. And I think it would work again if you put Ibaka with a Siakam or even like a Jakob Pertl as we've talked about, how they could kind of work as sort of an inverse of a 4-5 on offense and defense, respectively. Um, and then uh, even like OG Ananobi or CJ Miles, like I feel like that would work a little bit better than what Serge and Jonas does, especially in crunch time or against smaller lineups or against lineups in the playoffs where guys are just going to leave Valanciunas to get a bunch of twos and get passes on the short roll because that's the way to shut down what the other things that are really good about the Raptors offense. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Maybe throughout the regular season, we're going to have games like that game against the Wizards where we watch and it's ugly and it makes you want to pull your hair out because those two don't fit together. And I think it's on Casey to find, you know, a little bit more of a balance and a little bit more of a better idea of how to use those two guys, especially in fourth quarters. Maybe it's just going back to the whole thing where you don't use Jonas in the fourth quarter. I mean, if there's a matchup that calls for it, like an Andre Drummond or, or DeAndre Jordan or someone like that, where um, Valanciunas usually thrives, then yeah, sure, put him in. That's fine. But against most teams, like the Wizards in, in particular, Valanciunas always seems to get punked by marching Gortat. And then Mar- Markeith Morris or Kelly Oubre or Otto Porter, whoever's playing the four for the Wizards, they're not going to be a good matchup for Serge Ibaka. He's not quick enough to stick with those guys. There was a play last night. Uh, it was a transition play, so maybe it wasn't all Serge's fault, but um, it comes down and Ubre's in the corner and everyone's kind of looking for their guy. And Ibaka, you know, because you have two slow centers on the floor, you're that much less likely to be able to catch up to a guy like Ubre and get out to him. And the, you can see the closeout for Ibaka just wasn't there. He was so far away when Ubre got the ball. And again, transition, it's hard to say, but I think it kind of illustrates that having two slow centers on the court doesn't really work against a team like the Wizards. The Wizards are an incredibly tough matchup for the Raptors if you're going to have those two big guys on the court. Um, maybe a little less tough if you go small and kind of try to match what they do in terms of their style. Um so yeah, I think it's on Casey to try to figure out what his best lineups are for fourth quarters. And maybe you, you get back to the thing where the starting lineup just tries to break even. There will be nights where it's not great, but you hope that you have other lineups that can kind of bring you back. That's not the best way to live, but 
this Raptors team is good enough that they're going to win a bunch of games in the regular season anyway. Even if they have these weird lineup quirks where some things don't work perfectly, uh, I think they will still be good enough where they're going to win a bunch of games and be a playoff team. And maybe their seating will be affected a little bit if they can't really maximize the rotation and maximize their lineups. But they have enough guys who are playing well right now that I think you know Dwayne Casey's got to try to fidget with things and see what works and just try to avoid Serge and Jonas together in, in important situations as much as possible. Limit those guys to like, I don't know, <laughs> try to get them to like 10 minutes a game where they play together, something like that. Try to minimize the damage because 18 minutes of those two last night was way too much. Um, and usually 10 minutes is probably going to be too much. But this is not an ideal world we live in. There are you know two front court spots, 96 minutes to fill. And there are a lot of guys who are deserving of those, of those minutes. And a lot of them, you know, skew towards one of the positions more than the other. Uh, there's a lot of guys who can play center on this team. Fewer who can play power forward reliably. But if you factor in OG and CJ Miles, maybe there's more guys who play the four. It's just there's a lot of minutes and a lot of guys. Not a lot of minutes and a lot of, a lot of guys to try to fit in there. Um, so it, it's not easy by any means. And we're still so early in this process. And the Raptors are proving to have more reliable, good players than I think we would have expected that they would. There's like 12 guys right now who deserve minutes. And that's really hard for, for a coach to maintain a steady rotation and to have any sort of consistency or continuity. And we know how much that that's valued by Dwayne Casey as well. Um, so you can see he's struggling with it. And it's going to take some time to sort out. And there will be nights like last night against the Wizards where it just doesn't come together. And the wrong substitution is made at the wrong time. And that leads to a run for the Wizards. The run might have been coming anyway. Who knows? But uh, obviously, the, the Valanciunas, you know, uh, Serge Ibaka partnership did not help that at all in the fourth quarter yesterday. So um, that's pretty much all I got for this game. That's the big takeaway, the issue with the rotation, just having too many good guys. Uh, Eric Kareen wrote today as well for The Athletic. Make sure you check that out, talking about how the depth can be a detriment on a game-to-game basis, just because it's really hard to get all these guys' minutes and to to kind of ride the hot hand when there's so many hot hands to ride. Um, and some of the guys who maybe are being paid to be the guys that you ride late aren't really deserving of, of the minutes just yet. So you get into the whole ego thing and balancing all that as well. So make sure you check out Eric's piece. Make sure you check out Blake's piece as well on Raptors Republic. Um, both very good and sort of reasonable takes on what's going on with the Raptors right now. They're 5-4. and four. They're probably fine. Um, the East is bad, keep in mind. And like if you look at the nine games they've played, Probably seven have been pretty good, um, you know, minus a couple quarters here and there. Overall, that Utah win on Friday, we forget the really good wins pretty quickly, and like the bad losses really kind of sting for a lot longer, I think. So that Wizards game last night sucked. But don't forget the Utah game or the Portland game last week, which were really solid performances where you got a lot out of the guys that you're hoping to get a lot out of. And... You know, a game like the one against the Wizards is probably more of an outlier outlier than it's going to be sort of the general, you know, way things go. So, I don't know. It's fine. I mean, I say that after every Raptors loss because it's a one loss in an 82-game season. But uh, I very much feel like eventually this is going to get sorted out for the Raptors. It's an issue for sure. And if we continue to see Serge and Jonas playing together in big-time situations where... You're really trying to, you know, strap down the defensive end. Like, yeah, that's going to be an issue, and that's going to fall on Casey for not realizing that those guys don't work together. But we haven't gotten to that point just yet, so let's hold judgment um, until we see more of a sample of how Dwayne's going to sort of manage these guys and, and get these lineups together because it's a it's a very fluid thing for him right now. And you know, once there's injuries and things like that, or guys have down stretches, it'll be a lot less complex. But 12 guys deserving of minutes. That's that's not easy to, to juggle. So uh, let's hold off being too, too critical uh, for a little bit, for at least a couple more games at least. Um, that's going to do it for me. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WoodleySean. Follow the show at LockedOnRaptors. Please leave ratings and reviews. It's very helpful. 
Uh, make sure you're checking out LockdownRaptors.com. I have a couple things up there. I wrote um, last week. What the hell did I write last week? <laughs> I'm going to look that up. I forgot. Um, but I did write today about uh, the Jonas and Serge matchup and, or the, the combination and why it doesn't really work. Yesterday, I wrote a very stupid blog uh, about the Raptors road trip, <laughs> the six-game trip. Uh, more of a fun, lighthearted look at the road trip and what we learned from the trip. So make sure you check that out as well, too, please. Um, and that's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will talk to you again on Tuesday. Probably going to do the mailbag podcast. Haven't done one in a couple weeks, but I'm going to try to get one out there. So if you have any questions, please tweet them to me at Woodley Sean. Um, and I'll send the call out for those tomorrow morning at some point as well. So thanks, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday. Have a great night, everybody. And uh, try not to fret too much. Cheers. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.